This is the Heartache to Hope podcast where we get real about infertility, IVF and pregnancy loss. I'm your host, Anita Thompson, and I've been through the hell and back journey myself. So this is your safe space where you will hear incredible stories from ordinary women who have become extraordinary through their journeys. You'll get tips on how to manage all that is thrown at you. But above all, you will know that even though we didn't choose these circumstances for ourselves, you are part of an incredible supportive community and you aren't alone. Think of this podcast as the giant hug, the glass of wine, or the cup of tea that you need when you don't realize you need it. This is part two of my chat with Alice Almeida, where we delve into what broke her during IVF, the challenges women face with infertility in the workplace, and her top tips for those undergoing IVF. I'm so pleased to say that just two days after Alice and I spoke, she gave birth to a beautiful baby girl and all are doing well. So here's part two. I had a bunch of questions that I was going to ask today and I just kind of wing it at the same time as well. But with something that you mentioned just before, I think might be quite important to delve a little bit deeper into for people is that you said IVF broke you. Right, And everyone has a different experience with IVF. And for people who are thinking about going down that path or have just started or are thinking about doing another cycle, I'm really keen to know, if you don't mind, how and like why it broke you? Look, I think it's a it's a combination of many things. So the physical side never really bothered me because I would have cut off my right leg, yeah, you know, to to have a baby. The mental side, that broke me. Um, so I, I've i been very vocal about how much it broke me and how, you know, I, I went to a depth of darkness that I'd never been to in my life before. And at one point I told my husband that he had to leave me. It's my fault he can't have kids and he needs to go and find a woman who can give him kids because he'd be an incredible father and da-da-da-da-da. And he obviously got very angry <laughs> at that comment. But I adore my husband. I, I like, <laughs> he probably won't hear this, but <laughs> I, I've hit the absolute jackpot there. And that just kind of shows the level of darkness that you get to when you say to the thing that you love the most, go and meet somebody else, leave me. I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm a dad, all of these things, right? And so there's that element of the, the struggling with, you know, mental health. There's also, and it's something I'm very vocal about as well, is this unrealistic set of expectations when you start IVF. I cannot summarise how you feel when that first transfer is not successful. And there are lucky ones out there who are successful for the first transfer. But I don't know the stat, but I think it's around 20% maybe. Even if that, I'm not sure. Most of us, it's not successful. And so you kind of go into this with this false sense of this is easy, it's going to happen, I'm going to be a mum, it's going to be so exciting, you tell everybody. And then when it doesn't happen, you you have to deal with the shock of it not happening. You have to then deal with the with the shock of the, the, the negative starting to creep in that maybe it will never happen. And so there's that, but there's also the lack of support for mental health 
like, you know, at one point I was told that looking after my mental health was mumbo jumbo by one specialist. Yeah. And so there was just this lack of, lack of support on that side. So yeah. that, that was possibly the biggest challenge for me. The other thing was I, you know, my, my husband is a, is a very beautiful emotional soul. He has got an incredibly big heart and I I kind of forgot that he was going through it as well. Yeah. Because you become so absorbed in it being about you and you being the failure and you being the reason that it's not happening and, you know, you've let the team down, da 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 that I didn't actually stop and think about how he was coping on his journey as well. And it wasn't until the third failed transfer when he came to me and he said, I'm really struggling at the moment. I'm, you know, just feeling a bit broken. Can we chat? And I had zero energy left in my tank. Yeah. To do anything. Like I was I was like this close, borderline like centimeters, millimeters away from having an absolute breakdown myself. Yeah. That I turned to him and I said, I can't support you right now. And in my marriage vows, I, I yeah. you know, stood there in front of the nearest and dearest and said, I will love, honour, support, yeah. obey. Well, actually, I didn't, I didn't say obey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that word. <laughs> but, like, I just – so then that added to it because then there was an element of guilt because yeah. it was – now I'm, I'm not only failing as a wife because I can't give him a child, but he's just come to me saying how broken and upset he is and I can't give him emotional support. Who am I? Like, and so that was kind of loss of identity and, you know, not knowing who I was anymore, the mental health, like the physical stuff, jab me with 50 needles a day, don't care, could handle it. The mental load broke me. Yeah. Um, Empathise, understand all all of the above. I I completely get it. And, And at the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, you were working as well in quite senior positions. You had been struggling with infertility and then going through IVF while trying to keep a sense of normality at work as well. And I think this is something that, um, and perhaps we need a separate conversation about this because this is something that isn't talked about enough either. I don't think, I mean, infertility isn't talked about enough, full stop, but then infertility and then going through fertility treatment whilst you're trying to work yeah. uh, isn't talked about enough. Um, can you talk me through just some of your experience with that? Yeah. So I, I, I think I failed at trying to juggle the two personalities. So there was career Alice and then there was IVF personal Alice. But in my defence, looking back now and in hindsight, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was in a position where I could openly and honestly talk to my manager, the senior leadership team, about what I was going through because time and time again, for those that don't know, I work in the, I work in the media, media industry. For time and time again, you'd see women in senior leadership positions that would just vanish to pursue another opportunity and then they'd never show up anywhere else. And so you kind of had this expiration date on your head. And I thought, geez, if I have this expiration date on my head because I'm female, 
imagine what they're going to do if they're that new that I'm a female that's trying to get actively trying to get pregnant to then possibly take 12 months off to have the child which you know some some companies are in support of <laughs> some aren't and so I kept it to myself and it wasn't until because I moved I had moved through a couple of companies in the five years that I did IVF so when I started it, I had a company that I didn't feel like I could openly talk to. The second company I worked for, I had a female boss who, I wish this wasn't the case, but she was the kind of leader that you wish you have at every business, at every company. And a lot of it was because she was female. Yeah. You know, she had empathy. She had understanding. She noticed that I was really down on some days. So she just picked up on a few things and she pulled me aside and said, is everything okay? And I just said, you know what, I've got to tell her because I'm failing at juggling both of this because you've got appointments, you've got like scans, I was having procedures, like all of these things that I was trying to juggle with my career. I was getting phone calls just before I was about to jump on stage in front of 800 people that said none of your embryos were were healthy, we've had to terminate the lot. Like, I just I didn't feel like I was coping. So I opened up to her and she was fantastic. So supportive, so beautiful, incredible. Um, and, you know, that was possibly the best moment in my career and IVF journey. Unfortunately, the company was sold to a US company and then they made all the senior leadership team in Australia redundant. So as they do. So then I moved on to my next company, which was literally like something from the 1960s there was no support there was no understanding if you weren't at your, at your desk at 8 30 and you had to be there until 5 30 and this happened to be the company that I was working for when I found out that I was successful with Maya my daughter and when I told them I was pregnant I then it then flipped because I then started receiving incredible discrimination because I was a pregnant woman in a senior leadership position. And so all of those fears of not feeling like I could tell them about going through IVF were justified with how they treated me when I was pregnant. And I actually ended up leaving the company five or six months into my pregnancy because it was causing me so much stress and anxiety and um, upset that my obstetrician and gyno who I, who I've been with for 12 years basically looked at me and he's like, Alice, you have been through hell and back to conceive this baby and you're going to let a company potentially risk it. Exactly. And hearing that from him, I was just like, yeah, it's not worth it. So I really struggled with that because for 20, for the last 20 years before IVF was all about my career and I loved my career. I was so passionate. And then to be told that I can't really be a mum as well, even though <laughs> like it was just, it really did, it really did you know, add to the mental load that I'd had and, yeah, yeah it was yeah. a massive juggle. So thankfully I'm starting to see more and more businesses come out in support of, you know, employees that are going through fertility treatment. You know, there's some some big brands like the likes of Spotify and stuff like that which actually now have policy in place for those employees going through IVF. But there's still such a long way to go. Oh, there's such a long way to go. And and it's it's a bit of a sort of this, I don't know, catch twenty-two because if you're female going through it, you you do feel isolated and you do feel like you'd be penalized if you said something. 
Um, but but on the flip side, there are organisations who do want to support, but they don't know how to. So you've kind yeah. of got these individuals who box everything and say, well, this is my work life and I'm just going to get on with it and not tell anyone. And then you've got organisations who want to help um, and support but aren't sure. And so there really needs to be, I think, this coming together of, yeah. of both sides um, to try and make it work. And I completely agree. There are organisations that have come a long way, um, but there's still so much to do. And there's so much to do for females, in particularly in senior leadership positions, to allow them the ability to be themselves. Yeah. I've got one last question. If there were three top tips that you would give another female friends, people who come to the Amber Network, in terms of how to cope during IVF, mm. what would those three top tips be, do you think? Okay, so the first one is, and I know that some people go through IVF solo and they do it on their own, but for those that are in a relationship, um, the first thing I would strongly recommend them doing is some kind of counselling or see a psychologist before they start the journey. I think that is really, really important. One of the things that we did, um, which we failed to incorporate into our marriage, but we did eventually, um, was when we saw a marriage psychologist, she made us do the love languages test. Um, and coming back to that two years in, we were like, oh, because I was getting angry at my husband for not loving me how I wanted to be loved and vice versa. So that that one's really important. Mm -hmm. The other one is to get your finances in order to speak to a financial advisor. This one's not exciting or interesting, but it's vitally important because you don't want to be in the position where you can't afford the next round and you're like frantically selling stuff. You know, I've heard so many horror stories about people which – you know, one one lady I spoke to sold her grandmother's beautiful antique jewellery because, she, you know, she was at that point. And don't get me started about the lack of financial support from the government, but speak to a financial advisor. Go in there with an understanding of how much you can afford. And the third one is, you know, you're not alone. You feel like you're alone. You feel like you're going through it all by yourself, but you're really not. And there is an incredible community out there. Um, you know, we've since launch we've only been live four months we've got 650 people on the amber network and they are all all there to support each other and so find that network find that community and lean on them because at the end of the day they really understand what you're going through don't expect somebody who hasn't been on this journey to get how you're feeling um so yeah that would be be my three Fantastic. Such awesome yeah. tips. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, for sharing your story, for just being you, for being my friend and support oh. person when I need it. I remember I, I was just having, I think it was a few weeks ago, I was just having a really shitty day and I just text you and said, I'm having a really shitty day today. And just to know that I can do that means the absolute world Always. to me. Always. Um, Thank you for having this conversation when this labour is imminent and actually started <laughs> is even more amazing. So I will put all the links in the show notes for the Amber Network for uh, across sort of web and, and LinkedIn and all sorts of things and, and Instagram. And I will keep our listeners posted with what happens with Alice over the next yeah. 
Well, due date's Monday and today is, I'm thinking Thursday. Thursday. So <laughs> I think it's it's definitely going to happen before Monday. So I'll keep it Yes, and this. coincidentally, my obstetrician is going on holidays for the weekend. So it'll happen when he's on oh, of holidays. Of course it will. Of course it will. Because <laughs> why not throw something else in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like you haven't had enough. Let's throw that in too. It's all good. It's all good. But look, thank you so much for having me on and letting me share my very long story. I'm sure you can try and cut it down somehow. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate everything that you're also doing in this space because, you know, you do have a story too. And the fact that you are so open and wanting to help everybody else is incredible.